0: Somebody knows. Somebody's old, old like me. Anyway, that was the Imperials from vintage 1980. And uh, you know, I, I saw Pastor Ron had a had a kind of a vintage song there at the beginning of Who was here last week? Anybody? Online. Online. And uh, what song does anybody remember? What the beginning of the message? How can, who, how can you mend a broken heart? That's right, by the Bee Gees, right? So I don't know if I could top that. That was a little less popular, but. Anyway, my name is Mike Kane, and uh, I'm glad to be with you here today. I'm filling in for Pastor Ron. Um, But we're going to continue this series on Mended. And, you know, uh, I think all of us can identify with that feeling of, you know, being broken or being shattered, you know. And there's a lot of things that can do that in our lives. Um, And Pastor Ron shared last week, he, he shared some. Examples from Scripture, he talked about the woman at the well, the ten lepers, the woman with the issue of blood. He talked about um, the man, uh, Blind Bartimaeus. He talked about Zacchaeus. All of these were broken people that Jesus mended. But think about it in your everyday life, even your own life. Um, You know, Pastor Judah, if you didn't know, he was here last night. He was playing bass guitar on the worship team. And I bring that up because 11 years ago, I remember being in his office. He was over in the Blue House, and my mom had just died. And uh, he had come to the memorial service and encouraged me. And, but I was over there in his office, and we were talking about it. And all of a sudden, I just started weeping. You know, Has anybody ever had a loved one die and have that feeling? I think almost every hand was raised there. but. Um, and I remember just sharing with them, you know, just almost a feel of helplessness, you know, this despair, uh, sorrow, um, great sadness, um, and this ache in, in our heart um, that I had. And, and that was 11 years ago. Boy, it seems like time flies, you know. But uh, Pastor Ron shared last week, and I, and I want to just, if, is that okay if I just do a quick review of what he talked about, if you weren't here last week? I mean, it was good stuff. I mean, it's good foundational uh, teaching Uh, But he talked about Romans 3.23. That scripture says that we have all sinned. We have all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And what is God's glorious standard? Jesus. Right? Jesus. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short. All have sinned and come short of the glorious standard of God. And that standard is Jesus. And Jesus, you're right. He was perfect. And we are not and the truth of Scripture is that we have all sinned. We were all born with sin. And then he, he talked about the, in the beginning, if you look at Genesis, in the beginning, God what? Created the heavens and the earth. And he created us too, right? And a word that can be substituted for created is generated, okay? Like if you think of a generator. A generator creates something out of nothing. Okay, generator creates electricity out of seemingly nothing. Okay? But so God created, substitute the word generated for created. So God generated us, but sin came into the picture. And what does sin do? It degenerates. Has anybody ever called you a degenerate? I hope not. Have you called somebody a degenerate? So what does that mean? Is that is that a nice term? No, that's that's an offensive term, right? degenerate what that means is breaking down it's the opposite of building up it's breaking down it's destroying so even though God generated us sin causes degeneration but then God regenerates us through Christ listen to this scripture in Titus chapter 3 it says this but when the kindness and the love of God our savior toward man appeared and the kindness and love of God was visible in Jesus Christ. He was the kindness and love of God. When the kindness and love of God appeared, of God our Savior toward man appeared, verse 5 says, not by works of righteousness. In other words, not by the good things that we can do. Not by our good deeds. Because the scripture tells us that our good works are nothing but filthy rags. In other words, they're worthless, good for nothing. So there's nobody that's going to be able to stand before God someday and say, God, look at the good things I did. Yeah, I did some bad things, but look at the good things, and the good things outweigh the bad. So many people think that's how we get our right with God, by our good deeds outweighing our bad deeds. But the truth of it is, our works of righteousness are nothing, are useless in God's sight. It says, verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Everybody say mercy. Mercy. Don't you thank God for his mercy? Not getting what we deserve. Mercy, God's mercy. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration. Everybody say regeneration. And renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So this word regeneration, okay, is making new, recreating, remaking us, okay, because sin degenerated us, so God had to remake or recreate or remake us. So God's truth is that God generated us, he created us, sin causes degeneration. But God regenerated us through Christ. Listen to this in 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 3. It says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy, there's that word again, that we have been born again. And that word for born again is the same as regeneration. And if you remember the story from John's Gospel, John chapter 3, there was a man, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. There was a man... God bless you. (laughs) Well, you got blessed today, didn't you? And anyway, John chapter 3, anybody remember the story? Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus was a religious man. And he came to Jesus at night, and he wanted to ask him questions. Now, Nicodemus was religious, but he was afraid of being seen with Jesus. That's why he came at night, but he asked him about God. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Unless a man... Born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Not only can he enter it, he can't even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was confused. He thought he was saying, how can a grown man be born physically again? It's impossible. And Jesus said, you're misunderstanding. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to the spirit. So what Jesus was talking about was being born again by the spirit of God. And he said, this was necessary for us to see the kingdom of God. So that word, being born again, is the same as regeneration that we see in the, book of, in the scripture in Titus. Regeneration. He saved us through the washing of regeneration, being born again, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So listen to If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. God generated us. Sin causes Degeneration. But God regenerated us through Christ. And because Jesus rose again, because he's alive, he satisfied the righteous requirement of our sin. God accepted that sacrifice by raising him from the dead. And because he's alive, we can live also. We can experience new life in Christ because he is alive. We can be born again, not born physically but born spiritually. Look with me in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. It says this. Now, this is right in the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He goes into a synagogue, Jewish synagogue, and they hand him a book. And he reads from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And this is what he's reading. It says, "...the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor." And that when it says gospel to the poor, it's not just those that are financially poor, but it means those who are spiritually poor. Because he preached the gospel to, to rich people. You remember Zacchaeus, right? He heard the gospel. He was rich. He was a tax collector. But he was, had the gospel preached to him, but he was poor spiritually. So the scripture says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And hear that word today to you personally. If you're experiencing a broken heart, if you have sorrow, sadness, despair, Jesus said that God the Father sent him to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus said, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And recovery of sight to the blind. And not just as you saw last week, there was blind Bartimaeus, there was a lot of examples of Jesus healing physically blind people, but this, what this is talking about also is recovery of sight spiritually blind people. Okay? Recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And do you know that Jesus didn't come into the world to fix what is already right? He didn't come to fix what's already right. He came to heal us from our brokenness and forgive our sin. So he didn't come to, to come, he didn't come to a world that was already okay. And, and I don't know if you remember those, there was a bumper sticker, I don't know how many years ago, but, or maybe it was a book, I'm okay, you're okay. Anybody remember that? Yeah. I'm okay, you're okay. Well, the truth is no, I'm not okay. And you're not okay without Jesus. Look with me in Mark chapter two and verse 17. It says this. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do i have come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners and the world is full of people we meet them every day that think they are righteous that think they're okay that think everything is okay with them they're not as bad as the next guy well he you know that guy he killed somebody, or he did I'm not as bad as that guy, so I'm okay. No. Jesus came to fix what was broken. And the truth of Scripture is that we have all broken God's law. We are all broken inside. And we all need to be forgiven. And this word, when it says Jesus was sent to heal the brokenhearted, that word in the original means to be broken, crushed, shattered. Has anybody ever said to you, I'm, I'm just shattered? Or maybe you felt that way. I'm shattered. I'm shattered. And, and that song in the beginning, you know, it talks about only Jesus has the, all the pieces of our life, and only he can put together all the pieces that are shattered. So Jesus came not to fix what was right, but to heal what was, or to fix what was wrong. But you know, the th- truth is that yeah, we are all sinners but not everybody recognizes that they are have sinned not every, everybody recognizes that they are broken and we have to recognize that need we have to be convinced that we need Jesus in order for us to cry out Jesus help me Jesus heal me Jesus save me he is the only one Jesus is the only one that can mend our broken heart so let me start with this what give me some things that cause a broken heart. What causes, what causes, think about it, what causes a broken heart? Death. Betrayal? Death? Death. Divorce? Divorce. Loss, of Loss of anyone? Somebody said in the first service, men. <laughs> that caught me by surprise. Men. I really didn't know how to respond, to be honest with you. But, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but anyway, the, it, the truth of it is actually is that any relationship, any relationship can result sometimes in a broken heart. And, and it's, you know, it's not always the ones that you don't know that hurt the most. It's the ones that you know, the ones that you are closest to that hurt the most. Um, how, about, how about insults? Criticism. Anybody ever been insulted? Criticized? You've been on the receiving end of that? Don't raise your hand. Anybody been on the giving end of that? Insults and criticism? You know? we are honest, right? I was, I was, uh, I got to tell you a quick story. You got time for a quick story? I was, um, this week, this past week, I was going through the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts. And, uh, so I normally, you know, I, I, I haven't been there in a while, but I normally just get a small coffee. But this particular time, I, I wanted a small coffee and I was a little hungry, so I said, well, I'll take it. I'll have a donut too. So, um, so anyway, I hear the voice on the other end say, sir, would you like the senior citizen discount with your order? I was like, no, no. Can you see me? don't you see I'm not a senior citizen <laughs> yeah gray hair right yeah I know I have no hair on my head and I got a gray beard, I know but I'm only 50 years old folks I have an eight-year-old son I'm trying to argue this over there I'm talking to a little I am like can they see me I'm not even sure how did she know and I hate to say this but it wasn't the first time that that happened Somebody said to me maybe a little Grecian formula would help maybe I don't know. But anyway, look with me Psalm 69 verse 20. Psalm 69 verse 20 says this, their insults have broken my heart and I'm in despair. Their insults. And you know it's not from the people and, and you know, there was no ill intention by that person obviously. It's not for the people that we don't know. The insults from them that those really don't bother us. It's the insults or the criticism from the people that are closest to us. Right? That's what really hurts. It says, I'm in despair. My heart's broken. If only one person would show some pity, if only one would turn and comfort me. And I want you to join me in praying this prayer um, every morning. God, lead me to somebody. Make me sensitive to someone whose heart is broken, whose who's in despair, who has great disappointment. Lord, make me sensitive, not just to my own need, but to that person that I meet today that, that needs to hear a word of encouragement. And, you know, we come across this every day. I just, again, Friday, in my line of work, I meet a lot of people through, I'm a manager of a property management company, so I, we have residents that I'm in contact with all the time, and I met a resident out in our community in Terryville, just on Friday, and she had just lost her husband. 50, over 50 years they were married. And she, it just broke. You could just hear it in her voice. Her voice was breaking. She, could, she was crying, and it was over a seemingly simple thing. But her husband had always been the one to fix everything around the house. And she asked if there's anything I could do. She had a little problem with her porch in, in the back of her home, and, and we were able to get that fixed. And it was a simple thing, really. But to her, it just broke her heart that the husband that she had relied on for 50 years was no longer there, and she could hardly get over that. So I pray that God would make each of us that follow Christ sensitive every day to people that are come, we come into contact with every day in our everyday living that ha, are in despair. We don't know what they're going through. What else can cause a broken heart? How about sorrow and sadness? Look with me in Proverbs chapter 15, and verse 13. It says this. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. And I want to encourage you, okay? It's okay to laugh. How many of you know it's okay to laugh? And if you have any trouble with that, spend about five minutes with my son Ryan, and you will have plenty to laugh at, trust me. But you know, it's important for us to have a cheerful countenance. Why? What if we walked around all day with our chin on the floor, down in the domes, you know Jesus is great. You really need to you need to invite Jesus into your heart. He's done wonders for me. You know I really I gotta tell you. Who would want what you got? We gotta be able to smile. Yes, we live in a fallen world. Yes, we see the news and what's going on, but we need to to rejoice in the Lord. And we need to to, to discipline ourselves, if you will, because it's important. That it shows on our face, so it says, "A merry heart, understanding we've been forgiven, understanding we've been healed, makes a cheerful countenance." But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And again, you know, again, I I could talk to you all day about examples of of this. But in my line of work, uh, I was—we took a family vacation a week and a half ago or so—and but I happened to be on call. basically 24 hours a day. And I'll get calls every once in a while, two in the morning, three in the morning, whatever, uh, about a, a variety of things. But, but I, at this particular time that they called me, I, I, didn't, I didn't get the call. I actually ended up uh, finding out after the fact. I was sleeping and it didn't wake me up. But to make a long story short, I found out that it was a Southington police officer calling me to report that one of our residents that lives in one of the communities that I manage she had stopped up the exhaust on her car. And she had started the car, and she got inside and she fell asleep. And thank God, one of her neighbors found her and was able to pull her out and and revive her. Um, But it just, these kind of things, and I gotta say, in the 20 plus years I've been with the company, this is not the first time that kind of thing has happened. Sorrow of heart, it says, by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. So again, I want to appeal to you. Ask God, if you're a follower of Christ, ask him to help you to be sensitive to his Holy Spirit. and sensitive. You never know where, what point they're at. They might be at the breaking point. Your neighbor, your coworker, your whoever you go to school with, a, a friend of yours in school, whatever it might be, pray God that make you sensitive to that so that you can encourage them. What, is, what else breaks our heart? How about sin? How about sin? Look at Psalms 41 and verse 4. It says this. O Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. And if there's one scripture that I can point to that talks about my own story and how I came to the Lord, I had that experience of realizing And I I believe it, when I was, the day I gave my heart to the Lord, I think one of the scriptures that was shared was Isaiah 53. You can write that down and look it up later. But Isaiah 53 says that Jesus, and this is before Jesus even came, was the prophet Isaiah prophesying ahead, saying, Jesus will be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And it says, by his stripes we are healed. And I, I just remember having this, you know, this vision of Christ on the cross, and this overwhelming sense of grief and despair over the fact that my sin brought about His death and and the, and the you know the things He went through. He was wounded for my sin, bruised for my iniquity. But the truth is, I ultimately realized He was bruised so that I could be healed. And he was wounded so I could be healed. And the, the scripture that really got me was John 1, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And folks, I had heard that in church many times, okay? But that day, God was, had his hand on my life, and I knew I needed, and I cried out, Lord, heal me, I have sinned against you. And I have received Christ 27 years ago. And I thank God for it. So sin can cause a broken heart. Not only our own broken heart, but the heart of those that we love. Our own sin can cause a broken heart. So if we know what causes it, what are the keys to finding healing for a broken heart? Well, first of all, you can write this down too. Only God, only God can heal the brokenhearted. Look with me in Psalm 147, verse 1. It says this. It says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And how many of you are old enough to remember the song? The Lord is building Jerusalem. The Lord is building Jerusalem. Gathering together the outcasts of Israel, healing broken hearts, binding up their wounds. Anybody? No? I'm the only one. I'm the oldest person here. <laughs> and I know I can't sing, but that's how the song went, or something like that. But it was, about, it was specifically, specifically about the Jews that had been cast out of, of Ju- Judah, okay, through the Babylonian captivity. They were taken into captive back to Babylon. And some Jews had returned to Judah, to Jerusalem. And they saw that the city was in ruins. It was in, it was in shambles. And if you want to read the history, the book of Nehemiah, and I would encourage you today, read about in Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king of Babylon. And in his, in his duties... Um, He served the king, and he wanted to find out from his brother, whose name was Hanani, who had just returned from Jerusalem, how things were going, how things were going with with Jerusalem. Let's pick it up in verse 3 in in Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 1. It says this, They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And sure enough, Nehemiah prayed a prayer of confession and repentance. Asked God because he knew that it was because of the sin of the people of Israel that God had caused this breaking down, this um, you know, the city was in ruins. He had caused, This was a result of the, the sin of the people. So Nehemiah, he prayed and he asked God, forgive us for sinning. But also, God put within Nehemiah's heart a plan to rebuild that wall. So he asked favor of the king to let him go back to Jerusalem to build the wall. And lo and behold, the, the king did let him go back and in fact gave him letters to allow him to safe passage back to Jerusalem, and God put in his in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. And how many of you know the story? They started to rebuild the wall, and you can read this in Nehemiah. And as they started to rebuild the wall, do you think that it was easy, it was a piece of cake, no problem, they just rebuilt it? It was easy? No. They had great opposition, great opposition, and the names of the two principles that were Opposing the rebuilding of the wall was um, Sanballat and Tobiah, and they opposed what the plan that God had put in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild this wall. And through that opposition, they became discouraged, and they wanted to give up. And maybe you're here today, and God is trying to build something in your life, or rebuild something in your life. Maybe you're starting, you're planning, or thinking about starting a ministry. Maybe you're leading a life group. Maybe you're thinking about leading a life group. And by the way, if you got any interest in life groups, see me at the back desk in the back. That's another thing I, I like to do. But you're trying to build something. Maybe it's, you know, you're living for God in your place of business. And you might be facing opposition because you're trying to stay faithful. Maybe it's you're trying to live for God in your school. You're trying to stay true to God in your school. Maybe in your home, you're trying to raise godly kids. Or even in your neighborhood, you're trying to be a witness. God is building, is building a testimony in your life. And know this, as sure as God wants to build something, there will be opposition. Just like there was opposition to building that wall in Jerusalem, there will be opposition. You will feel resistance. The going isn't always going to be easy. Okay, but God, he will heal the brokenhearted. And that, sometimes that opposition causes us to be in despair and it causes us to be discouraged and even brokenhearted. But God can, can strengthen you and be your source of comfort and he can heal our broken heart even when the going gets tough. And remember this, God is near God is close to the brokenhearted. Look with me in Psalm 34 and verse 18. It says this. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. When I think of, of people, especially examples from the scripture, of people that were in trouble, how about the Apostle Paul? Did you ever hear his testimony? Now let me ask you, has anybody ever been honestly? And he been whipped. Has anybody ever been whipped? Okay. All right, some honest people, I appreciate that. Let me just give you a a few of the details of Paul's testimony. And they're not on the overhead, but I'm just going to read them from 2 Corinthians 11. It says this. It says, five times he received 40 stripes minus one. Now, the way I understand, it's 39 stripes. The way I understand that is, if they gave him 40, that would have killed him. So he went through that, you'd think once is enough, right? Five times he went through that, okay? Says three times he was beaten with rods. Now, is anybody old enough here to remember the old parochial school days? My father tells me this, that the nuns would discipline with, whether rulers or, or a rod, right? Is anybody... Anybody can remember? I see a couple of hands going up out there, right? And, and, and sometimes they would have you pick which, which rod you want they wanted to use on you, right? Well, you'd think, well, a smaller rod would be less painful. It's not true, my father said. The small one is the most pain. But these are rods to cause injury. And, and so this is just one of the things he went through. Paul the Apostle, three times he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned. He was stoned. Has anybody ever been stoned? I don't think anybody would survive, but he did survive. They thought he was, they left him for dead, but he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. Three times he was shipwrecked. A night and a day he was in the deep. He was in journeys, often perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of his own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Do you think that he felt broken at some point? Do you think he felt discouraged? Do you think he felt despair? And he endured this for the sake of Christ. For the sake of the gospel. Do you think he would have thought God abandoned him at any point? But this was his experience. Look at 2 Corinthians with me, chapter 12 and verse 9. It says this. Each time, each time one of those things happened to me, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God bless you. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ and work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, in the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The apostle had come to experience the Lord through those difficulties at a level that I think few of us may ever experience. And he experienced the presence and the power of God like he never would had if he had never gone through those things. And it, whatever you're going through today, I want to encourage you that God is near to the brokenhearted. He's near. There's an old song we used to sing. He's as close as the mention of his name. You just mention his name when you're feeling down. You feel like giving in the towel, giving up, or it's too much to bear. There is an intimacy, a depth of relationship, a depth of fellowship, a knowledge of God, a closeness of his presence that only comes through hardships and suffering. And know this, whatever you're going through today, God will be with you. He will be with you. Don't think. It's easy to think God has abandoned you. I'm sure it was easy for Paul to think he had abandoned him if he, once he, when he was going through all that. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 43. It says this. But now, O oh Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. Remember from the beginning, God created us, generated us. O oh Israel, the one who formed you says, listen to this. This is, your, this is a word from God for you today. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have purchased you. I have redeemed you. I have sent my son to pour out his blood. We sang about the blood of Jesus. That blood paid the price. For our salvation, our redemption. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Your Savior. And that word, exactly what it means is literally deliverer. Savior is deliverer. He's the one who heals, mends, and restores us. And he will not abandon us in our time of brokenness. Romans eight thirty nine says, There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Think about that for a minute. There's nothing. And remember that if you're a child of God here today, Remember that. There's nothing that will be able to separate you from the love of God. And again, his word says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And also remember, whatever you're going through, if you're feeling that brokenness today, remember that the grief and despair you might be feeling is only temporary. It's only temporary. Look with me in Romans. Listen to this verse. Romans 8, verse 18, it says this. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Does anybody remember the small potatoes message? Anybody remember small potatoes? I think in the message Bible, this is considered what we're going through now, no matter how bad it is, just small potatoes. compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. And another scripture says that eye hasn't seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Think about that for a minute. We can't even comprehend the glory, the the wonder that is awaiting us as believers in Christ. So whatever we're going through, understand it's temporary. And Psalm 7120 says this, you have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. Hear the faith there, even though they understood god was allowing them to suffer they weren't complaining about it but listen to the faith but you will restore my life again you will restore me to life again and sometimes god allows us to suffer because there's a greater purpose in, in he has a greater purpose okay in mind and and it's i was talking to my wife about this yesterday sometimes you know we can look back 20 25 years and we can see clearly God's hand in our life. Because we see the end result of what happened. So we can see how God was working but sometimes when you're going through it, it's hard to see God working. Sometimes you don't understand. But see, he sees the beginning and the end. It's like being in a parade. Right? Has anybody ever walked in a parade? You can walk in a parade and you're walking along and it's so-so but you know what? You don't see the whole picture. But if you have a bird's eye view You see the beginning from the end. You see the whole picture, and and it's much easier to understand. And just like that, sometimes God allows us to suffer because he has a greater plan. It's part of his greater plan for our life. And also remember, faith in God and his power is absolutely necessary for finding healing for any brokenness. Look with me in Mark chapter 5 and says this, verse 21 says that Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. And does anybody have kids out there? Does anybody have a daughter out there? Can you put yourself in his shoes for a minute? Think about it. When you see... A loved one that's dying and there's nothing you can do. Especially if it's your own daughter or son. Think about the the despair, the desperation that he must have felt. And he came to Jesus because there was nothing else he could do. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Verse 24, Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And and, you know, you understand that this condition caused her to be cast out of society. She was considered unclean. Okay, there was places she couldn't go. She couldn't even touch people. Imagine her despair and her loneliness. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. It's one thing to spend a lot of money, but to get healed from it, right? But she had spent everything she had, and it says... But she had only gotten worse. She'd gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse, it says. Verse 27 says, She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. You can imagine the, the kind of determination and courage it took for her to do that, knowing that she couldn't basically touch anyone because of her condition. But she was determined to touch Jesus. For she thought, verse 28, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And listen to the faith there. Listen to the confidence. Listen to the assurance that she had. She says, not I may be healed. She says, I will be healed. And verse 29 says, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once the Healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? Now, think about it. Have you ever been in a crowd of people, leaving maybe a, a sporting event or wherever? I mean, you feel like everybody's touching you, right? I mean, you know, I mean, and it's almost like you're almost not even paying attention to, to all the people that are touching you. But it says here that he turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my robe? Verse 31. His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? I mean, come on, look at everybody's here. We're all touching each other. But Jesus said, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it because then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell at, to, on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Can you imagine how embarrassed and frightened she must have been? to realize that she was found out? And, and do you think that maybe she felt, maybe I was, was going to be, maybe I'm going to be scolded here for this? And verse 34 says this, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And, and just think about her. Just put yourself in her shoes for a minute think about that Spend, being ostracized, being shut out from society, spending all your money trying to get well. Do you think she felt hopeless, broken? Do you think she was in despair? and can you imagine her joy when she realized she had tapped in to the source of healing? Overwhelming. In verse 35 it says this and, and Jesus said, let me before I get there, let me say Jesus said that the key to her healing was what? Was him? No, it was her faith in him. Her trust, her confidence in him. Verse 35 says, While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Now, There's no faith in that statement. There's no faith in that. I mean, there's no faith there. Verse 36 says, But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. In verse 37, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. And why do you think he did that? He didn't want the unbelief of those people to infect the believers. He didn't want the unbelievers to be a part of what God was going to do. And we can learn something from this. We need to surround ourselves with people that believe in Jesus, amen? We need to to be around people of like precious faith that we have, that believe and have trusted and have experienced God's healing power, not only for their sin, but for their entire lives. So if you're not in a life group, go ahead and you can join one here today. Just another plug for life groups. That's what we do. We're believers, we get together, we encourage one another. People that believe in Jesus, So we need to surround ourselves with people that believe in Jesus. Verse 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. And don't be surprised if you get laughed at for believing God. I'm not talking about believing in God, but believing God for a miracle in your life. Don't be surprised if people mock you and even laugh at you for believing in God for, to do a miracle. And the people, the crowd laughed at him, verse 40 says. But he made them all leave. Why? Why did he make them all leave? Because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Verse 41. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And wouldn't you be if you were there? Can you imagine that father's excitement and joy over realizing that it wasn't necessarily the broken heart of the the girl that Jesus healed? It was the parent's broken heart that was healed. So he not only physically healed the daughter, but he healed their broken hearts. But can you imagine uh, how much joy they must have felt when that happened? But in both cases of healing, Jesus said that faith in him was the key to healing a broken heart and to healing the physical healing also. Faith in him. And finally, God can use your broken heart experience to help others. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 3, it says this All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He is the source, He is the supply of all comfort. Verse 4, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Remember, I was talking about God having a greater plan, a bigger plan. He sees the whole picture. You wonder why you're going through something? it may very well be for something that God knows is going to happen down the road where he's going to use you as part of the healing for someone else. You can share and testify of what God has done in your life. He is the source of all comfort. He is the source, the supply of all we need. Rick Warren has said this, Your most profound and intimate experiences of worship will likely be in your darkest days when your heart is broken. When you feel abandoned. Has anybody ever felt abandoned? When you're out of options, when the pain is great, and you turn to God alone because you understand God is all you need and God is the source of all comfort. Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham has said this, without dark clouds in our lives, we would never know the joy of sunshine. We can become callous and unteachable if we do not learn from pain. So whatever you're going through today or you have gone through in the past, understand that as God's child, God loves you and he does have a plan. You may not understand everything, but a lot of times it's through these experiences that we experience not only his closeness and his presence, but we also experience his power. And that's not only our testimony to others, that's part of our healing, but it also can be part of their healing. So two people get healed at once. We're going to look at a song right now. This is a, a song by Chris Tomlin. And I want you to look at the words, and, and I believe this will just drive the, the point home of today's message. Let's look at this video.
1: There is a truth older than the ages, there is a promise of things yet to come, there is one born for our salvation, Jesus. find us Jesus
0: like him. Amen. Amen. He carries our healing in his hands. He is the source of all comfort, of all healing. And I don't know what you're going through today or I've gone through in the past, but I do know this. Jesus holds your healing in his hands. He holds my healing in his hands. We need to come to him in faith. Amen. Let's, Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for for this day and this opportunity to share your word. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here and those that might be listening, Lord, online. And Father, I know that there's those that have a broken heart right now and have experienced a broken heart before. And there may be someone out there that's in despair, that feels like giving up, that feels like throwing in the towel. And Lord, I pray that you would draw them to your son Jesus. That they would call on Jesus. That they would call on his name. That they would press through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. That they might receive that healing today. Father, I pray that you minister to everyone's point of need today, Lord God. And Lord, cause us to not only be healed, but be the conduit to share with other people what you have done for us so that they might receive your healing too. And as our heads are bowed right now, I just want to ask you to join me in a prayer to reaffirm our faith in Christ. And I want to encourage anyone here that have never accepted Jesus, maybe you're here, you've never experienced that regeneration, that new birth, that restoration, that forgiveness of your sins. I want to encourage you to pray with us now. You can pray. It's a simple prayer. Just crying out to God, just like that psalmist did. Oh, God, forgive me. So Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross and to shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and heal me. I believe that Jesus died for me in my place and that he rose from the dead. And I know that he's knocking on the door of my heart right now. And by faith, I invite Jesus to come into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior. To be my healer, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So I want to encourage you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to know that we have a gift for you in the back. There's a bag. Just ask whoever is back there at the connections that there's a bag for you that has a Bible in it. It has some other encouraging things. Um, I think there's a movie in there. So I want to encourage you. If you prayed that prayer, also if you prayed that prayer, let us know about it. We're going to have people here at the altar. You can let us know. You can let them know at the back of the Connections desk. You can fill out the, the Connections card and say that you accepted Christ today. And speaking of the Connections card, you want to just lift it up there real quick. Let's read this together. This week's challenge, share your experience with someone this week of God healing a broken heart so they will be inspired, encouraged, or led to Christ. So if you agree with that, check it off. Put it in the tithe box. There's one here. There's one at the back. You can also put a little note on there if you were touched today. Or, again, if you accepted Christ, we'd love to hear about it. And just you can fill out the, the front of the other side of the card, which is just information, so maybe we can connect with you. If you had a need that a need, uh, you need us to pray with, we have people here that will pray with you. Um, so we invite you to come and, and pray here around the altar with us. I'll be here. The rest of you, God bless you. Enjoy this beautiful day. Jesus is our healer. Amen? Jesus heals. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck. High five them. God bless you. You are dismissed.